Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Professionally Fit Radio. Professionally Fit is dedicated to female entrepreneurs and executives who are soaring in their fields and in their enterprises while still maintaining their health and wellness. At Professionally Fit, we help you identify the direct correlation between your health and your career. Welcome to the show. I'll be your host and Professionally Fit founder, Ms. Lisa A. Smith, joined by my super dope co-host, Ms. Get Fit with Jay. On today's episode, we are talking about the state of black health. How are we faring in the black community with regard to our physical health, our diet, and disease compared to our white counterparts? So this should be really, really enlightening. I had a fun and saddening time kind of researching for today's show. Um, I got some stats and I was really shocked about some of the stuff I read, so Um, I can't wait to dive into it at the same time. It was kind of an eye-opener for me to see how we're kind of faring up with regards to our health um, and how that's been over time. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So when I was doing my research, I was... I was shocked as well because, you know, you have some idea about the reasons and the whys and things like that. But when it's a number attached to it, it becomes more real and a little bit... A little bit more... It's like saddening, more sad. Yes, <laughs> for lack of a better word, I was um, I was enlightened about a lot of things, and then I was, and I just became more aware of a lot of things. Yep, I agree. I agree. Same thing for me. Um, but first, we're gonna dive into wait what? what wait what is our segment where we discuss something we either saw, heard, or experienced in the last week that made us go wait, wait what? what? Oh my god! So my wait what is so perfect for today's show. So in my pre-med sociology class, we discussed the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Tell me you've heard of it. Yes, I have. Okay. So what do you know about it? I just know that they intentionally gave them syphilis to see how they could. Was it to see how they could cure it? I just know that they intentionally allowed them to have it. Right. So the Tuskegee syphilis experiment is where 600 black men were were used in this study unbeknownst to them so that they could um track how syphilis attacks the body and how people die from it so there were 600 men in this study 399 of them um had syphilis now according to what i read they had syphilis before okay um, they went to see these doctors. They they weren't given syphilis by the doctors. And then 201 of the men did not have syphilis. And this study went was supposed to be a six-month study. It went from six months to 40 years. Wait, what? Exactly. I was super shocked. So it's insane. So these men had syphilis. And this, this study was put on by the U.S. Public Health Service. So your, your own United States government used our black man to um, track syphilis, you know, throughout the body, how it affects you and how you die from it. And so what they did was they promised these men that they were going to get free health care, free meals and burial insurance. So those were like the baits. Right. Okay. So they came in over these numbers of years and they supposedly were getting treated but they were not treating this man the study started in 1932 and what's so crazy is that and i think it was 1947 um is when they decided that penicillin was the treatment for syphilis okay but even when they got basically the cure for syphilis they didn't give it to these men 
So when the study started, they were still trying to figure out how to treat the disease. Right. But along the course of the study, they they figured, found, it they figured it out. It was penicillin, but they never gave it to them. They just let them to continue to deteriorate and die. And so this went on for 40 years. Insane. During the study, 40, uh, supposedly, these numbers are could be much higher. This is what was reported. But at least 40 wives contracted the syphilis. At least 19 children were born with syphilis. And... Um, it was so it was it didn't end until 1972 when finally a whistleblower, somebody was finally like, this is just completely unethical and this study has to stop. But that was like, what, what year were you born? Five years later, I was yeah, born. Crazy. I, can't, I just can't even believe people think we still live in a post-racial society. Like we've been used for so much and we are like dragged through the mud by our own U.S. government, by our own country. I mean, these are our black men that they yeah. intentionally let die from something that was curable just so they can have, you know, these things on record. So before I just have to tell you these two quotes that I read, one from Bill Clinton and one from one of the guys who were over the study, because it was just like really shocking to me. But they even opened a museum called the um, Legacy Museum, where they um, basically honoring the victims of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. But. Back in, I think it was 1997, Bill Clinton made a statement that said, what was done cannot be undone, but we can end the silence. We can stop turning our heads away. We can look at, look at you in the eye and finally say on behalf of the American people, what the United States government did was shameful and I am sorry. To our African-American citizens, I am sorry that your federal government orchestrated a study so clearly racist. Wow, that just hurt. Yeah, it hurts. So check this out. One final quote, and then I'm going to let this go. Because I was just like, I was my jaw was just to the ground. Like, how can people be so cruel? You know what I mean? As the U.S. Public um, Health Service, people who are supposed to be in charge of our health and who um, people put, we put trust in these people right. to give us, you know, the right advice and the right things to do. And so one of the gentlemen who was over the study from 1950 to 1957. His name is Sidney Olansky. He was on ABC primetime, like live TV, and he was getting interviewed about the Tuskegee syphilis. And this is what he said. When he was asked about the lies that were told to the men, he said, the fact that they were illiterate was helpful because they couldn't read the newspapers. If they were not, as, as things moved on, they might have been reading newspapers and seeing what was going on. As if, as if put the shift the blame on them, and not taking any accountability or responsibility for what they did. Exactly, just basically praising illiteracy. Like, thank God we were able to keep going forward. If they if they could have read, we would have been. Never school. mind that we sought these men out because they were illiterate. It wasn't like that. Right. Could have couldn't have done the study on someone else. Right. You specifically targeted these men. Oh for yeah. That. So yeah. That's and that's disgusting. and that and it was just a perfect segue into what we were talking about today because most of these men were sharecroppers, low socioeconomic status, which often equates to low education. Yeah. Right. They rely on public assistance, and they are then the victims of things like this. Yeah. I mean, I was pissed. I, I know you were. I know you were. <laughs> I, I, I was just so floored by it. And I'm just like, wow. You know, oh, my goodness. Anyway, go into your way what? And then we can dive into, because that was the perfect for what we were talking about today. So my way what also ties into the topic of today, kind of, sort of. My way, so 
we are um, obligated to volunteer at least eight hours a year that we get paid for at work. Okay. So today, uh, a few of us went to go volunteer at the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. So maybe I shouldn't have said the Salvation Army. However, it's out there, the Salvation Army. And um, I was in the kitchen preparing food along with like the staff and a few people from my job. And they made it, they made kind of like a nice meal per se. They made like some chicken parmesan with some uh, some type of spaghetti, and then they made some vegetables. And I was like really impressed with the vegetables. They steamed these vegetables and everything. Mm -hmm. And even someone someone commented, they were like, uh, "That's something you would eat." I know you're so happy they just steamed the vegetables and they didn't put any salt or anything on them. I was like, "That is what I would eat, right?" Right. So after they steamed the vegetables, it was like these big trays just sitting on the counter, and then I noticed that they had like this color, like it looked like they put some type of, like an Indian powder or something like that, I would think, because it was bright yellow. It looked like it could have been, what is that? uh, Turmeric. Turmeric. It looked like it could have been turmeric. Okay. So um, I was like, okay, I want to know exactly, because I was like, I just don't think something that had to serve so many people would put turmeric on green beans. Right. You know, that's kind of specific for a specific a specific type of, um, you know, like an Indian restaurant or, or people who ask for it or something like that. Right. But they have to keep keep it real neutral. Okay. So I was like, I want to know exactly what is on there, right? So yes. I'm like looking around the kitchen trying to match what seasonings match that color. And I finally found it. It's this, it was this big jar. It almost, you know what, uh, what antifreeze comes in? Like antifreeze comes in that big kind of um, jug kind of thing. Yeah. Tell me why. <laughs> oh, my was God. Was this. I'm not ready. Chicken fat. What? Chicken powder chicken fat on the green beans. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. They literally took these steamed green beans. Oh my God. And poured powdered chicken fat on all of it. I could not believe my eyes. It said blatantly chicken fat. So I was like, I, I have to read more. I just, this cannot possibly be. And that was the ingredients. The first ingredient was chicken fat. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that I existed. Me either. Me either. Who was out here seasoning their food with chicken fat? I guess people who feel like that's what the black community wants. No way. Yeah, because we were in the heart of Detroit. We were, you know, on Martin Luther King Drive right off. You know, so, yeah, they seasoned their greens with chicken fat because they believe that's what the black community wants. And that, so that's what they gave them. You talked to some of the staff and asked them like what? No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I'm just this is an assumption that I'm just making. Right, right, right. I just don't see in, in another community, a white community, you seasoning the green beans with chicken fat. I just don't see that. Right. At all. Right, right. Yeah. So that wow. was definitely my weight. Well, I couldn't believe it. Insane. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this is perfect. You know, let's just talk about the state of black health in our community. You know, back in uh, November, we changed the name of the company from FitCamp360 to Professionally Fit. And very specifically, the reason why I did that is I was getting more into research about the state of black women's health. And because black women are the fastest growing demographic of entrepreneurs in the U.S. and the most educated demographic in the U.S., I felt compelled to gear our services more towards black women. And although we're the most educated, we're still dying from um, stress-related illnesses. The number one killer in the black community is heart disease, cancer, and stroke. And so I decided to gear the company specifically towards 
our people and it's just so interesting how when we get clients and I delve into, you know, the issues that they're having with maybe their weight loss or their health, um, once we dig a little deeper and start pulling back layers, we begin to see a lot of the same things recurring over and over and over again. Yeah. Definitely. And so I went to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and I just kind of wanted to see some numbers with regard to where we were, specifically black people, in comparison to where our white counterparts are. And so I have some numbers from about 2014 was the most recent that they had. And so I want to start with um, our, our health. Okay. So fair to poor health so in the black community ages this is ages 15 to 44 years old in the black community 13.5 percent of our people have fair to poor health whereas in the white community only 9.4 percent okay so let's woody why do you think that is it's a, it's a number of reasons it's a number of reasons and I and I'm not making excuses, but they had a, a jump on it. They they've had a jump on it where they could take care of their health as we were taking care of so many other things that and they them, should have been taking care right, of. Right. As such as their children. Right. Such as, you know, their dinners, such as so they had a head start, no doubt. And they had a long history of having more free time than us. Yes. I mean, just just period. I mean, of course at this point we should realize that we need to take care of our health and when something has been in generationally put into your family it's hard to kind of reverse that true so i think that's one of the reasons it's just such a history of us not having the time not having the mindset because we were so busy trying to maintain so many things agree agree i agree um and i think even more recently with regard to just like our generation or millennials um the the value system is not there but also the access to resources and in our communities right i think that planet fitness on like eight mile in woodward is the first commercial gym in detroit no there's a powerhouse i think but there aren't many you can count on one hand how many gyms and the powerhouse is considered highland park technically i believe but you can count on one hand how many commercials. And there might be small little ones that you don't know about. But if you don't know about them, you do a Google search. Right. Right. Nothing's coming up. Um, we're not even going to get on fast food places. They'll, let's, let's get on fast food places. They'll put a Wendy's or a Pizza Hut or a Little Caesars on every corner. Every corner. I remember Troy made that joke when he made a song called what liquor store church church liquor store remember that (laughs) just like you can ride down the street maybe say seven mile all you're going to see is churches fast food places and liquor stores in our community so when children are being brought up and when they go out their front door and all they see are you know liquor stores churches and fast food restaurants then this is what they think is normal and what they believe they have access to and 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 it is what is normal that is normal right for their environment so we, what we're asking people to do is basically go out of the norm and do something different even though no one before you has showed you anything different and so that's another reason why it's so prevalent is because there's no one setting the tone for you mm-hmm. there's no one to say hey this is what we do to be healthy it's like actually i did um over the a couple of summer summers ago you know the the slow roll when you ride the bike all yes. through the city yeah i love it and what the slow roll does is allow you to see part of the city 
that you normally wouldn't see because you're going through like back ways and through these neighborhoods for miles and miles. I think we rode like 15 miles. It was like hundreds of us riding through the city. But what I did see was liquor store, ch church, yes. liquor store, uh, yes. church, and fast and food. take out places, And these right. like small little, small little neighborhoods. They made it so, I mean, there were abandoned houses. Let me add that to the mix. Abandoned houses, churches, liquor store, fast food. That's And it. that's what it was. And that's what, so if you don't have a car, if you don't have a bus pass, you do have fast food, liquor store, and if you feel bad about it, you can go to church. Absolutely, absolutely, and that is not an accident, it's and it's not, not a coincidence, not right? At all. Right. So before we even start accepting responsibility for our own actions, for sure, it's been implanted into our community these unhealthy practices and options. You know, I remember you and I, we went on a, a tea, one of our tea dates a few months ago, and we were out in some suburb. Mm -hmm. And I got really upset because we turned into like a little shopping plaza and there were four different stores dedicated to four different types of sports. Remember? Yeah. It was a golf store. It was a hockey store. <laughs> it was a tennis store and one in a, a cycling mm -hmm. um, storefront. And I got show ups. I'm like, look at this. Yeah. You know, so when people come out and see, you know, stores dedicated specifically to things that have to do with being active, running stores, get your new running Bike shoes. Stores. Yes, yeah. all that stuff, um that reinforces what value systems they have, right? You they're going to come out their doors because they have nice paved sidewalks and clean streets and see what? They're going to see people jogging, they're going to see bike ridings, they have nice clean parks or with bike trails and, and dog walking parks in, in, in those communities. Things that encourage. Right. And I'm city. not saying some of us don't live in those communities, but it's no doubt that the lower your socioeconomic status is, the more you're going to see liquor store, church, fast food, abandoned houses. Exactly. And what's even more than that, what, what even bothers me even more is how when... Now, when someone does decide, hey, I don't want this life, or I don't think this is good for me or my family or whatever, the people that have been kind of living that life makes it kind of hard for those people that decide to, to kind of pull out of it. It's yes. like, they're not, they're not receptive to it. Yes. Because it kind of seems like, you know, who do you think you are? Or what are you trying to do? Or right. what are you trying to say about us? Right. So it's just this cycle. So... We can talk about the cycle. Um, one of the things that um, I researched, not intentionally. Okay. I, I I was putting in, you know, black women specifically and exercise. And the first thing that popped up was vanity in our hair. So I was very surprised to learn that um, two out of every five black women avoid exercise because of their hair. Yes. I, I, I didn't know it was that high. Yeah, that's very real. That's very I real. I thought maybe one out of ten. No. <laughs> maybe one out of ten. Because you know the whole natural hair thing is going on. People, women, we wear braids. We wear wigs. Yeah, we have a lot of protective styles, but absolutely not still. Because even still, especially if you have a weave or sometimes under that wig, you don't want your hair, you know, fluffing, sure. swelling up from the sweat. I have clients who schedule with me based around their hair appointments. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. It's it's very, very serious. Yeah. So one of the quotes that popped up and just in general about black people in our relations to health, this is the quote. 
diabetes, smoking, high blood pressure, physical inactivity, obesity, and a family history of heart disease and stroke is greatly prevalent among African Americans. That was the end quote. I was like, wait, everything? So you... <laughs> so everything. Why didn't you just make it short and say you guys have everything? Right. It was just really... It's so true. And speaking of smoking, so when we were compared to our white counterparts, um, men and black men, uh, 22 ages, 18 years or older, 22% of black men smoke, smoke, whereas 20.5% of white men smoke. And then with women, I was happy about this, 14.6% of black women are smoking whereas 17.8% of white women are smoking. So we're smoking less, at least the black women are. <laughs> it's so funny that you say I was happy about this. Hey, like, y'all can't beat us in everything. It's a though. point system. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. It really is. Yeah, it's yeah. a point system. Um, so that was good, but the obesity stats took me out the game. Okay, let's okay. hear it. Okay, so this is ages 20 years old or older. Okay. okay? In America... <clears throat> Black men are 37.6% obese. Okay. 37.6% of black men are obese. White men, 34.3. So about 3% smaller. Okay. But women. So white women are 36.2% obese. 36.2% of white women are obese. Okay. Compared to 56%. 56.9% of black women. Wow. Almost 20% more of us. More than 20% more of us. So why do you think that is? You know, I have my idea. We, we Well, outside of, you know, the, well, we talked about the community being set up for us to be sedentary and overweight and eat unhealthy. Um, also, you know, a lot of us talk about heredity, but I think what's passed down from your parents is not necessarily obesity, but the habits that create obesity. So I think habits are hereditary more than your genes are. Um, I also think partly because the certain body shapes are idolized. Exactly. That's where I was going with it. Right. You know, big, big hips will definitely allow our society to think, you know, the whole waist being smaller than the hips. It doesn't matter if you are a size 18, 22, 42, as long as you're waist is smaller than your hips right then it's kind of like that thick curvy girl mentality where no one is going to say hey you need to exercise although it should always be done in a caring way it should never be you know well i don't like your size you need to exercise it's right. all seriously it's all about health but at the same time when you you know you're saying thick curvy is in and uh big girls is the new black and things like that so our our numbers are increasing with weight, yes. But so is the acceptance of it, yes. So it's kind of hard. It's 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 like a push pull type of thing with the health conscious community and the the urban community, right? Where we're they're saying one thing and we're saying another thing, right? We're saying two totally different things. Because I remember a few shows back when you and I talked about the big girl movement, yeah, and how an entire literally an entire industry has been born for being overweight. Right. There's there's um things dedicated magazines, events, radio shows, TV shows, all of these things specifically dedicated and designed to cater to what they call curvy, but a lot of it is obesity and 
unhealthy extra weight, an unhealthy amount of extra weight. And you're absolutely right. When the health conscious community tries to make a comment, you know, they come back and say, you know, self-love and, and, and try and push messages like this. Whereas self-love should be a universal message. And we're not, Definitely. you know, and being overweight is simply unhealthy. That's the black and white of it. Yeah. Like I said, that's the long and the short end of it. There's no need to search any further. If you have a BMI over 30, 30 is obese, right? Right. And over 25 is overweight. Right. So if it's, those are the black and white facts. We, we aren't making this up. We're not singling anyone out. We're talking about any race, but we are particularly concerned about our own. So that's why we're discussing this. It's not to, you know, idolize one shape or the model type or trying to put, you know, make anyone self-conscious or put anyone down. But this is seriously a health crisis. Yes. We are fighting a losing battle because of what's on our plate. And as I study nutrition, you know, I'm getting certified in nutrition right now. And as I study more... Our plates are 250% bigger than what they were. Wow. They call it portion distortion. And I was like... (laughs) I love it. Wow. Portion distortion. They've literally distorted our view of what's appropriate to eat and what's not. Because they keep making our portions bigger and bigger and bigger. bigger, To the point when we go out to a restaurant and it's the right size, we're mad. Like, I paid $15 for this. Right. This isn't enough food. I don't get to take a doggy bag home and feed my two dogs and and eat lunch tomorrow off of this. Right. You know? Exactly. But that was never never the intention for the body. Yeah. When I tell people to put something in the palm of their hands... It's almost like I'm trying to starve them when I say this is the portion size for this or this is the portion size for that because they've been uh, 250 times in it 250 times. Yeah, for sure. And not only that, it's a physiological adjustment when you try and eat smaller portions. True. Because you've expanded your stomach. Yeah, You've definitely. expanded your capacity. And so you eat two ounces of pasta and one-fourth cup of sauce and it doesn't feel like you're definitely still hungry. Nobody's doubting that. But you have to go through that uncomfortable period where you have to literally retrain your body and your stomach to accept smaller portion sizes and, and, and feel satisfied. You know, a client texted me the other day, like, Lisa, since I've been eating cleaner and he's eating mostly fish and, and vegetables, he's like, I never feel full. And I said, well, the goal is not to feel full. The goal is just not to feel hungry. That is so, I just got a text. I'm not going to say from who because they'll kill me. But I got a text the other day. Like since I've been eating healthy, I'm always, I feels like I'm always getting hungry quicker. I don't have time for this. I don't like this. And I was like, that's a good thing. That's an amazing yeah, thing. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the most, I will be honest, it's not the most convenient thing, but don't get mad at it. I was like, just make a really big meal, healthy meal, and eat it in portion sizes for eat a small lunch. And then, eat. you know, you can have another small thing for a snack. You don't have to make all these different meals. You know, like I will make a stir fry, and I'll eat a right portion size for lunch and a right portion size. Right. So, that will make it a little bit more convenient, but you're, yeah, you will get hungry because it's digesting faster. It's not making your system sluggish. That's right, guys. If you, when you eat things like pizza or hamburgers and fries, the reason you can feel so full for hours upon hours in is because there's so many synthetic ingredients and and things that are not biologically in sync with your body that your body cannot physically break it down and distribute it throughout your body and turn the rest into waste. It just sits there. 
But when you eat real whole foods, your body recognizes it right away. It breaks it down immediately and then it's able to digest it. So when you begin to get hungry more often, that means your diet is becoming cleaner your metabolism is ramping up so that's an amazing sign of good health so please 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 don't take that as a sign that you need to go back to eating crap because you're hungry all the time yeah just like a drain when you put something down there that's too thick or too you know like something thick like grease or oil or hair with it it does it doesn't drain the water you'll have to like get it fixed or get it plunged or something like that but when it's just pure clean water it goes directly down and that's exactly how it is with your body it will process and digest it faster because that's what's good for it exactly exactly um i have to talk about two more stats that were were really interesting um one was the hypertension the high blood pressure oh oh, wow (laughs) here we go go. so for um women i'm just gonna do the women hypertension in white women um, 34.5% of white women have high blood pressure. Over what age, you said? Um, this one did not give the age. Okay. Okay. Compared to black women, 44.8. So 34.5 in white, 44.8 in black women. What? Why this bothers me? Another reason, another angle why this bothers me. Is that how we lead in all of the negative things with hypertension, cholesterol, this, this, and that. And then when it comes to the positive things that they lead, like how does that keep happening? Like we're the most, the, we populate the prisons, HIV rates, AIDS rates, the most heart, you know, heart disease and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like all of the negative components, we, we're just owning that. And then when it comes to keeping a family together mm-hmm. a whole household husband and wife mm-hmm. it's like there's it's few and far between mm-hmm. business on it's just really i just don't understand sometimes how do we keep failing i just want to say at life but in all these different areas and and i don't and i don't think we're failing and by the way the hypertension was over the age of 20 okay yeah um but I think that's what's talked about the most. And I think that's what's highlighted. But we're excelling in a lot of areas. Yeah, I know what's education. I do know that. But what uh, what other areas? Well, I think in like as far as like um, different industries where we're like building, uh, building our own brands and um, athletics, for example, you okay. know, um, and there there are a lot of. And I don't, and I'm not necessarily saying we're leading, right? But we're definitely doing very well. Yeah. As far okay. As, so we're just basically underrepresented, is what you're saying. Yeah. And then you know the media is always going to highlight the negative stats. The media is always going to feed us. We're always going to know how many of our men and women are in prison. True. You know what I mean? That's we're always going to know that. But I think there's still, you know, a lot of areas areas where we are doing well. Whether or not we're leading, I don't know. But we've been back for so long, and not all of it is our own fault. Um, but we can definitely, you know, step up more and take more responsibility um, for for a lot of our things. But I think with the hypertension, one thing I wanted to mention, one of the main cause of that high blood pressure is stress. A lot of us are dropping dead from stress. And we're putting a lot of stress on ourselves trying to wear too many hats at once. Yeah. I just listened to the podcast um, of Eric Thomas. 
And uh, they specifically talked about this. And it was going to be my weight what? Because you know how you try to give, like they always say, give 120 in everything you do. Right. But this podcast was basically saying it's okay to not give 120 in everything you do. Like, what's your focus at this time? If it's school, give school 120. And sometimes you may have to fall back from uh, being the best, uh, uh, you know, in another area, you might have to pull back and give 80 in one area and give as at this time you're giving 120. So you used to take your kids out every other day or this. Sometimes you have to pull back from that. And you and I think one of the things that overwhelms people is they try to be across the board even. I'm going to give 100% to this, 100% to that, 100% to this. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of us wear way too many hats. And I'm always shocked by... Um, talking to some people who are doing literally it all. I'm taking care of a parent. I have a spouse who's not working. I have two kids. I'm in school myself. I have a job that I'm trying to do, start a business at night. Um, I volunteer on the weekends. And we take all this stuff on without even thinking about our own health. And then when it comes down to our own health, the first thing we go to is everything that we do for everybody else. Like, well, I don't have time for myself. And, you know, self-preservation is the number one rule. Rule number one, preserve self first before you decide to deep dive into helping everybody else. So stress is by far one of the number one killers and one of the um, biggest hindrances to weight loss. Like if your body is in a chronic state of stress and releasing cortisol, it is impossible for you to lose weight because your body is in fight or flight mode 24 7 fight or flight mode is designed for extreme short bursts of stress oh my god i just turned the corner there's a rock waller right there that i wasn't expecting right right but it shouldn't be i hate my job that i've been at for 10 years i have all this tension with my boss and the eight hours of out of my day every day is nothing but tuned up stress or my job my staff whatever keeps me under high amounts of stress we have to do so much better with managing our stressors mind you I did not say eliminating stress because you're going to have stress for the rest of your life but managing our stressors is so important and a lot of us don't even realize how much control we have over our own life we are always always victims absolutely so yesterday I was all dialed up, which is rare for me. Usually I'm just like, throw the hair in the ponytail. But I just was like, I want to get dressed up today. So mm-hmm. when I got to work, um, you know, everybody was complimenting me and everything. And then, um, you know, my friend was like, um, it was like towards the end of the evening. And it was her late night. And she was just like begging me to stay. Like, stay, stay with me, stay an extra hour. And I was like, no, I have to go. I have an appointment. She was like, where well, you got to go? And I was like to see my therapist. Uh-huh. And I said it so casually. Uh-huh. And she was like, really? She was like, you know, and she she received it really well. Yeah. She wasn't shocked. But I kind of wanted to shock her because I wanted to kind of like normalize it. Yeah, for I sure. It's not a secret. I don't go around advertising it. But if you ask me if I'm going somewhere and I say to a bar, I feel comfortable saying that. Right. So I'm, I'm not going to hide the fact that, yes, I, I was like every Thursday, I see a therapist. Um. And she was just, she was so interested. She was like, do you think, you know, I think I need one. And do you think um, it's good for you? And do you think, I was like, yeah, I was like, I think anyone with health insurance or anyone who has the money that ha- that deal with different, you know, problems emotionally or mentally should seek 
seek uh, therapy. It is not, you know, I know there's like the stigma in this black community, like, oh, you don't even look like you need, right? Uh, you know, right. A therapist. So like you, you like you keeping it all together, right? Yeah, but no, it's sometimes, and like I was telling her, you need an unbiased opinion in your life to just help you sort out, you know, sort out things in your life and to keep that stress level low. Yes. So yeah, if you are dealing with a lot of stress, sometimes you cannot emotionally and mentally handle it all and you need sometimes an unbiased opinion in your life because if you tell your mom or your brother or something, they love you. They're going to automatically side with you most of the time and now it's two of y'all stressed out. Right. So yeah, <laughs> if you can, there's nothing wrong with um, seeking help, professional help if you need it. I agree a thousand percent. Professional help with mental health and professional help with physical health. It is extremely important to realize that knowledge is not power knowledge is potential power i've said it a thousand times before so just because you know how to lose weight you know what you're supposed to do just because you know how um ways that you can practice healthy mental health and emotional health doesn't mean that you don't need help with doing it knowledge is only power when you implement and take action so if you Um, are having a hard time with um, dealing with stressors in your life, emotional things that you're going through, grief, then you should definitely seek out professional help. If you're having a hard time losing weight and it is causing impending chronic health concerns, maybe you're having chronic pain, back problems because of excess weight or hypertension or cholesterol um, these things should be get professional help there is no shame in it right and it feels good to have that assistance and that accountability as well the last statistic that I want to address that was just so really tugged at my heart was the infant mortality rate between black women and white women okay this was so sad to me so White women, so per 1,000 births, okay. so out of 1,000 births by white women, 5.06 infants die. Okay. Okay? Out of 1,000 births per black women, 11.11. 50 percent more of our babies are dying. It's so insane how, you know, and I know part of this, I just want to address the medical field for a second because I think the number, and I could be off here, but I think about 400,000 people die a year due to doctors' mistakes and errors. And um, it is so important that we stop relying on these other people to tell us how to take care of ourselves. And when it comes to our babies, the infant mortality rate in the black community is twice that of the white community. And I believe when I say stop relying on medical doctors, stop solely relying on medical doctors. It's because of a lot of us, because doctors are human. And a lot of us have built in biases that we don't even recognize. So, for example... Um, I went to, last year, I went to a doctor in my local community and I live in downtown Detroit. So he was just like off of Woodward or off of Jefferson or something. And it's not, a, you know, a, a very high socioeconomic community is, you know, re- when I went in, it was a lot of people in there who you could tell were kind of a lower end. Right. And when he took my blood pressure, he was shocked that it was normal. 
Really? Yeah. He was like, oh, wow. He's like, you have good blood pressure. And I imagine, you know, he's getting mostly African-Americans in there and he's used to our blood pressure being too high. And so think about him addressing his patients on a day-to-day. Before he even, you know, gets any of their results back, he's already assuming that these three or four things are probably a problem. And so when you have physicians who work solely with a certain community and begin to see regularly occurring things and trends, they just develop these biases. And, you know, and so they talk to you and treat you based on those things without sometimes being um, not cookie cutter. Right. You know what I mean? And so I think it's very important that we stop relying on these individuals to tell us what to do. Another client of mine um, was given the wrong medication and it some medication and it caused her to have stomach ulcers. And she went back to the doctor and they're like, oh, we weren't supposed to give you that. We were meant wow. to give you this. And it happens so often. So you have to do your, if somebody gives you a medis- medication or prescribe you something, guys, research it. Look it up. What is this for? What are the side effects? And more importantly, what are the holistic alternatives? Right. Can this um, amount be reduced? Do I have to take all of this amount? You know, another my hairdresser has um, RA has rheumatoid arthritis mm-hmm. and the doctor gave her some medication. She said, Lisa, I looked this medication up. She's like, and it literally is causes your face to swell up and it makes you extremely sick for the first two weeks that you're on it. And she's like, I refuse to take it. And I know there's alternatives for her, but this is what they give those, you know, that community. And so we have to be very, very careful. Like our little babies are literally dying at twice the rate than our white counterparts. Part of that is because a lot of doctors don't want to work in the lower end communities because they don't make as much money. And Mm -hmm. so then even the quality of the healthcare is lower. Yeah, definitely. A lot of things aren't detected. And I'm not saying a lot of us are, you know, lower on the lower end, but I'm just saying it it, it goes very far. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it really that really hurt me because it it's just no reason for it. I don't understand why healthcare should be based on how much money you make or what neighborhood you live in. Yeah, and just to touch on the holistic thing, when when people hear the word holistic, they normally imagine this 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 kind of far out there type of approach and holistic can really mean the absence of something in your diet it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go buy all these plants and do all of these things you can take a holistic approach as i'm going to stop eating meat and see how my body reacts and i'm going to eat more vegetables that can actually holistically begin to heal you yes it doesn't mean you're going to go out to the rainforest and start extracting the leaves (laughs) (laughs) you know because I know what I used to think when I used to hear the word holistic. Like, yes. oh, God, I've got to go to the holistic doctor. They're going to be stirring me up, all these different type of, you know, I just imagined it, just this person with, like, a turban on. Like, I just imagined this kind of just right. far out there. And yes. it's not holistic just can mean the adding something naturally from the earth. It could even be, like, something that you concocted. Yes. You know, like a tea. It can simply be a tea from a plant. Or it can be removing something from your doctor from your diet to see how your body reacts. So it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be expensive. I remember from my iron, I just started drinking more tea that had iron in it. Right. So it's not, I don't want you guys to hear holistic and think that this is this big expensive, extreme thing. Yeah. It's really, it's really not. It's really, really not. And again, that's where help comes in. The final thing I want to say is the importance of 
um, learned behaviors because just like a lot of our bad behaviors that lead to chronic illnesses are passed down from our parents and our grandparents, it goes the other way too, right? You pass down good things. So one of our clients who um, recently lost a ton of weight, you know, she has three sons, three teenage sons Mm -hmm. who are all overweight. Mm -hmm. And since she's lost a hundred pounds, her teenage son has, is down 11 pounds oh, now. Oh, yeah, I saw that. that yeah, that's awesome. So the, I tell you, health trickles down in both directions, whether it's good or bad. Your behaviors trickle down. So if you are concerned with your with your spouse, you know, if you're concerned with the person you land to at, next to at night and their health because you've seen them deteriorating, start with yourself. Because when you begin to make healthy habits for yourself, you begin to make healthy habits for your household. I have a client who we're coaching uh, her through giving up dairy. And so I was giving her some tips on how to trick her spouse into drinking almond milk. And I told her right. what, what you did, like pour the almond milk into a regular milk container. And um, I told her, he, and she was talking about her son and the cheese. And I was like, so you can get some vegan cheese. And I told you know, I explained to her that wasn't necessarily healthy, which is dairy free. And I told her to get some vegan cheese. I was like, and put it in a regular cheese bag and maybe leave a little bit of the regular cheese and yeah, then mix it in there. You can wean off. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, cause sometimes for us, it's just a visual and psychological thing you know seeing it in the container sometimes if it says almond milk or it says dairy free or plant or something we automatically think it's going to be nasty and not tasty but you know she did those things she's like oh my god they didn't even notice and i'm I like love that. me I love too that. i love when a person can kind of take what you taught them and be that voice for you because i've learned that the longer you stay in the fitness industry you still have a powerful voice but you need, you kind of need people to kind of testify with you. Yes. You know, like, no, seriously, dairy-free, this, this, and that. Like, at my job, uh, every time they, I see them sleeping, I was like, I promise you, you do not have to drink Red Bull. I promise if you drink black tea, <laughs> it, it will give you the caffeine and the perk. You don't have to drink all of those preservatives and all this crap. And, and it took me a while. They were like, black tea, really? Can I add sugar? No, don't add sugar. Right. At the most, add one pack and leave it at that. Now, I've finally gotten, I've, I've gotten, roped them in, and I heard somebody today, someone said they were sleeping, she was like, girl, the, I, I promise, the black sea. <laughs> she was like, I was up to 8 o'clock at night alert from me drinking that tea at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. So the more people that start to see or to start to learn the more people it will, it will like pass down the pass oh yeah long effect oh yeah it really does work oh it yeah trickle down, oh promise. yeah you know our motto one body at a time what? <laughs> <laughs> that is For our real. motto that's what it takes i love it love it guys thank you thank you so much for listening to another episode of professionally fit if you are in need of some professional help <clears throat> to get healthy please please join us at www.professionallyfit.co. There you can also access past episodes of Professionally Fit Radio. I post a blog every single week of another health topic or entrepreneur topic. So please join us at professionallyfit.co. Also, you can tune in on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Professionally Fit. Until next time, be well.